Welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ferguson. This podcast is brought to you by Next and Agri, and we cover all things livestock through the amazing stories of the people that farm them, study them, or provide support to this exciting industry. At Next and Agri, we bridge the gap between farming, science, and innovation, and we really do live out our tagline of farming in our hearts, science in our heads. It brings me great pleasure to say this is our third season of this podcast. A huge thanks for listening in. We really do love playing a small part in your weekly routine. This season we are super excited to be launching the Next Gen Agri Hub, or the Hub as we refer to it. This is a place where our Next Gen Agri and our Head Shepherd communities can come together, share thoughts, share challenges, and hear directly from the team here at Next Gen Agri. If you haven't already, I really encourage you to check it out at thehub.nextgenagri.com. We're delighted that Allflex are again sponsoring the Head Shepherd podcast this season. The Allflex team provide a great service and a great product. And we really do enjoy our long-standing relationship with the Allflex team. Get in touch with the Allflex team for any of your tagging requirements. Righto, let's go with this week's episode. Welcome back to Head Shepherd. This is the final episode of Season 3. Thanks for, for sticking with us. We'll have a short break and be back into it. But uh, yeah, it's been great to, to make it to the end of Season 3. Still getting great downloads and great feedback. So thank you very much for that. Uh, make sure you... Keep hitting like on the uh, on wherever you're listening and review the podcast for us. That'd be fantastic. Uh, this week we uh, we've been really fortunate, I guess, to to win an award at, at a sub company of Next Gen Agri, and we call that Gene Smith. Uh, and this week we're we're joined by Ian Harris, who heads up that that work within the company. Welcome, Ian. Thank you. So, Ian, we might uh, I guess we'll start with a bit of a description about. Uh, your background and, and where, I guess, how you ended up with working with clowns like me? Um, yeah, I guess it depends how far do you want me to go back. <laughs> but um, I started out life as a sort of briefly as an electronic engineer and then as a scientist for what, for the DSIR, which has now become Callahan and Innovation, then the IT industry, including a bit of time in the dot-com boom in, in London back in the late, well, late last century, early this one, um, and then sort of been working in the IT industry, software development, that sort of thing for the last few years, and then in the last three or four years have moved into the machine learning space. Yeah, I've been working with Ferg for about three years now. Seems like just a day, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So for yeah, I guess for yeah, three or so years we've been working together, and we've done a range of things and do a range of projects with that. But uh, Gene Smith is is about applying all that. So I guess I guess we might just start with how does machine learning work? People will have heard the terms artificial intelligence, machine learning. Um, some people think it's brand new. You know, it's not. Um, I guess a bit of the history about about what artificial intelligence actually is would be interesting for some people. Yeah, artificial intelligence, I guess, has been um, around for, for decades and neural networks have been around for a long time. It's just they didn't really work until about 15 years ago. And the reason they started to work is that people got a lot, a combination of a lot more data and a lot more computing power. And that then allowed machine learning to start to get some really good results. The really notable results were in image recognition. So a few years ago, machine learning algorithms in the form of neural networks got to the point where 
they could look at an image and be better at a human than a human at working out if that's a picture of a cat or a dog or some other object. So that was, I guess, the most high-profile breakthrough of machine learning that really sort of signified it was really starting to happen. There's been a couple of other big events. Uh, Three years ago, um, a neural network beat the world's best Go player. Chess players have been beaten quite a long time ago, but Go was seen as something that was not really computable because the combinations in the pro in the in the game it's got more combinations than there are atoms in the universe and it, so it was seen as quite an intuitive sort of game not something that you could just brute force which was a little bit how computers beat Gary Kasparov at chess so that was quite a watershed moment here was something an intuitive game and a computer beat the world's best and then a few months ago one of the major problems in biology, which is protein folding, basically got solved by a bunch of guys in King's Cross with huge compute power. So it seems to be accelerating. There was a bit of a AI winter back in the 80s, like AI was doing really quite well in the 70s and then sort of ran out of steam, but that was symbolic AI. But this time it looks like you know it's making some very major changes and that it's not slowing down so there seems to be lots of opportunities to implement ai in a whole lot of industries that haven't been touched yet Um, the first industries that seem to be uh, have a lot of ai applied uh, you know the facebook's and the google's of the world where they're they're learning what you like from ai but then the more difficult situations are like what we're trying to do where we're trying to apply AI to the 3D world. But that's certainly starting to happen now with um, little edge computing devices that have got AI capability. So the time seems to be appropriate to be really trying to apply this to farming and agriculture. That's a sort of brief history. I know it's just cry, but a neural network is what? Yeah, so... Computer or artificial neural networks are sort of modelled on a, you know, what's in your brain, but only sort of slightly. So it's basically you're modelling a whole bunch of neurons, so and then layers of neurons connected to each other. So the original neural networks were what were called fully connected. So if you have a layer of five neurons and another layer of five neurons, the first layer of five neurons has connections to all the other five neurons in the next layer. So they're connected to every single neuron in the next layer. And then you can have a, you know, if you have four or more layers of those, it's called a deep neural network. So it's just a bunch of nodes connected to each other and each node, you know, signals pass through them like in the brain. And that can be simulated in computers. And um, there's now, you know, a multitude of free frameworks put out by some of the big, IT companies in the world like Google and Facebook that are free for everybody else to use that mean you don't have to go and implement all that yourself. You just, you can, in a lot of cases, just get your data, train them, and then you have a neural network. Applying machine learning to agriculture and like in the situation of matching lamb to dam, um, the biggest problem for us is getting our hands on a huge data set. So, that's sort of the bread and butter of machine learnings is very large data sets. So um, a lot of our work 
it's probably only 20% training the neural network. The other 80% is getting a large data set of pictures of sheep and lambs and match their true ID. So that's our biggest challenge. And so that often involves building systems. Actually, it tends to be you have to almost build a bigger system to collect the data set than you do to actually you know, implement the finished product. So that's our main challenge. Yeah, and when we talk about training, it's it's sort of repetition. It's about having things of known value, whether it's known ID or known quantity or whatever, and then feed that into the lots of them into the neural network so that it then works out this is what that animal looks like or this is what that weight looks like or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, training in the machine learning world is um is I guess yeah, it's supervised learning. So you're you're telling the neural network this is what sheep one, two, three looks like. So you're supervising it, you're saying, here's a whole bunch of pictures of this particular sheep and we know who it is and this is what they look like. So we're sort of supervising the training process for, um, for the neural network. There's other processes like unsupervised learning and a whole bunch of new techniques that are coming online, but they're not that relevant to us at this point. Cool. So you're there in the office. We've got Jack and Ali in the background feverishly working away. I guess just explain the team that you've got working on this at the moment. So, yeah, because we're sort of building machine learning models to interact with the the real world, we need um, electronic expert engineering expertise to to build systems to actually collect the data. So our team is pretty. Well, it's it's a mixture of people with electronic engineering background and machine learning computer science background. So I've got a mixture of both. Um, Jack is um, a recent mechatronics graduate, which so he specialises in building, you know, mechanical devices that are also electronic. Whereas Ali, despite being a qualified electrical engineer, is entirely sort of devoted to machine learning these days. So we have a mixture of machine learning, computer science, electronic engineering, and that's due to the fact that we're trying to interface to the to the physical world rather than if we were working at Facebook where we'd just be given all the data and we'd just require machine learning, uh, yeah, developers. Um, yeah, last job we advertised, we had 100 applicants. We're obviously a little bit unique in what we do in the, in the world. Yeah, yeah, we're very lucky, I guess. Um, it's, well, it's it's a it's a bleeding-edge project which is attractive to to our engineers. So, um, yeah, we, we were spoiled for choice. When I started Next in Agri, I wouldn't have dreamt that I'd have uh, three big computers with GPUs and four 3D printers and <laughs> whatever else. Obviously, uh, it's been a bit of a le- massive learning curve for me, but uh, recently we've had to... We've looked hard for for cameras that we could throw into the paddock and do what we need to do, but um, it's proven, I guess, way more difficult than we thought, uh, and so we're actually having to build those camera systems then. Yeah, yeah, you, you sort of, with all the hype for machine learning and especially with images in the world and, you know, the car companies trying to implement auto drive, you'd expect you could just walk into JCAR and buy some sort of camera that you could stick on top of a fence post and it would be waterproof and 
it would have some sort of AI edge compute facility, but no, no, the, the closest you can get is some sort of security camera, which, although, you know, pretty good for their price, can't really see far. So, yeah, we've, we've had to um, build our own camera, which involves getting a NVIDIA um, computer on a board with a, a GPU built in and then, you know, buying a separate camera unit and putting that all together in an enclosure and having some sort of rotate facility as well. So, yeah, kind of surprising with the way the world's going that you can't just go and buy this and bolt it on top of a fence post. But instead, we've spent, you know, the last few months actually building cameras like this. Yeah, and it's uh, certainly my first time watching a 3D printer work and thoroughly recommend that for anyone who's a bit of a nerd. That's uh, quite fun. Uh, we've been very fortunate to have Jack on board with his skills in pulling all that together. It's uh, They're a pretty good little system, and if you jump on genesmith.ai, there'll be a photo of, of the system if anyone wants to have a look. Well, just the camera. But So, yeah, you and I have had, over three years, had a lot of discussions. Uh, we were we started off, and we still do work in, in sensors. Obviously, the, the price per animal for sheep and the ability to transmit data on the sheep scale gets gets quite difficult, uh, and that's why we headed down the camera line. Um, we've had lots of discussions about where we would use this this capability, and we always came back to we need to have facial recognition working to to do anything. If we we can see that there's power in having cameras assess lots of things on animals, uh, but it still needs to know which animal that is to to really bring out the power. So we've so facial recognition became our first problem to solve, um, and we've sort of been working on that originally through. Uh, we did a bit of work with Sydney Uni and, and AWI, but uh, in the last whatever it is, couple of years, it's all been internally. Um, we've been very fortunate to get support from Callahan, and really appreciate the crew there. We've been able to have a couple of summer students and, uh, as well as. PhD and master's grads on, on board, all uh, supported by Callahan Innovation. Uh, we've been recently really uh, successful in, in getting a, another support for through Callahan to, to continue this work, so very much appreciate that. Very much appreciate the, the support from Agmart as well, um, and then this recent award. So we're getting a lot of support out of out of the sector, the tech sector in, in uh, New Zealand, and we very much appreciate that. But yeah, we sort of focused on on facial recognition and and know that 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 works. Um, we have the capability to assess individual animals. We also did a bit of testing on whether you could weigh sheep by cameras in in that original project. Yeah, yeah, that at this stage hasn't been conclusive, um, but we really just sort of had a, a cursory attempt to try and weigh weigh the sheep from cameras looking sideways front, top, and from the back. I'd imagine in the future that'll probably happen at some point, given a, a large and diverse enough data set. It's it's almost the the recurring story in you know machine learning and the ag spaces. Um, can we get a big enough data set? And uh, I presume being able to weigh sheep is something that'll be able to be done in the future. Yeah, I guess throughout my entire career to do thing to to do really cool things. You need to do lots of boring stuff, and it seems machine learning is no different. 
you need to do lots of gathering data, gathering data points to train the neural network for then it to be, once trained, uh, runs fairly lightly on a computer without a huge amount of compute required. But getting that data set and then training that data set needs a lot of time and then some big computers to, to run the numbers and then and then it all becomes easy after that. But um, Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, collecting the data is still quite interesting just due to the fact that you've got to build something to collect the data. So unless you just go for the, the straight-out manual human labelling sort of situation, it's, um, you know, you're building equipment to, to collect the data. So that that's interesting. But, um, yeah, it's not it's certainly not as straightforward as if we were a finance company and had all the data sitting there in a, a database all ready to go. Um, I think that's why agriculture has been, it hasn't been one of the first areas to have machine learning applied just because collecting the data sets is a bit tougher. Yeah, 100%. And I think, yeah, we've tortured a couple of students and uh, my wife spent a fair bit of time labelling labeling image sets. So, yeah, they might attest that it wasn't that exciting, I think. But, but yeah, you're right, getting the, getting the system set up so we can train them. And that's obviously we need to, we're working towards having that deployable on farm that training set as you go into a new farm you need to train train on new sheep and that's that's what we're working on so we've been working on this for a few years and uh getting closer by the day we're obviously making massive inroads at the moment and have cameras going to western australia uh fingers crossed by the end of the week uh to a lambing trial there um that's going to be sort of first it's a research deployment, but uh, sort of first time that this camera iteration goes in the paddock. We're hoping that through the lambing of kind of the New Zealand lambing this year and then early into Australian lambing next year will give us the rest of the kind of data and information and photos and stuff that we need to, to be ready to go commercially and hoping that we can launch next year. Every farmer we talk to and we explain what we're trying to do is certainly behind this this concept and yeah it's going to be i guess when it works we've got yeah we've got a bit of learning to do about and we're going to learn with farmers about where you would put the cameras and and how many we need to have and that sort of thing and it's a pretty exciting thing for for agriculture and uh we're really looking forward to getting the cameras across lots of farms across australasia in the first instance but then we'll go bigger than that Right, Owen, we better let you get back to actually doing this work. We are on a fairly tight deadline at the moment. So, yeah, thanks very much for your for your time and we'll... Uh, cool. Thank you. I'll see you when I get back to Christchurch. Okay. That's a wrap for the final episode in this season. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for following along. GeneSmith's a pretty exciting bit of technology. Uh, I guess I spent my whole life wanting to know which, which progeny come from which animals and we do that at, at the uh, pedigree level, at the stud level. The opportunity to do that at commercial scale is is really exciting. We're under pressure as farmers to minimise our footprint, uh, obviously, and stay viable. and And it's pretty difficult when you know what they've scanned, but you don't know what which of those ewes is pulling out a couple of thirty kilo lambs at weaning, or which ewes pulling out a single at, at twenty kilos at weaning. There's really no way for farmers at the moment to tell the difference, um, apart from spending a fair bit of money to do that. Um, it's so yeah. So this technology in my mind, is, is a massive game changer for the sheep industry uh, and really looking forward to deploying it. Uh, thanks very much for following along on the podcast. A huge thanks to Sophie who produces 
all of these episodes and make us sound sensible. Uh, yeah, we'll see you back uh, in three weeks when we launch season four of the Head Shepherd podcast. Thanks very much. Well, that's a wrap for another episode of the Head Shepherd podcast. Many thanks for listening. You've been with Mark Ferguson. The Head Shepherd podcast is produced by Sophie Barnes with support from Paula Gilton. A reminder to check out the hub.nextgenagri.com for all things livestock. Ask your questions and have your say. And before we wrap this episode up, I really want to again thank our sponsors, Allflex Livestock Intelligence. A great company, great people, and a great product. So I encourage you to go out there and order those Allflex tags today so you can start recording more information and start breeding better and better livestock. Thanks for listening. Cheers.